Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This podcast is powered by SportString. Your digital water cooler. You know, Sweet Chuck, tons of people take a multivitamin, including myself, and it's really important to choose one that's top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics to help you start your day right. It's a special blend of ingredients to support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's a friendly lifestyle uh, adaptation to a wide range of diets. It contains less than a gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals or artificial anything. Plus, it costs less than $3 a day, sweet chuck. And, you know, I spend $5 on a Starbucks, so it's a great deal. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during the cold and flu season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sportsdrink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sportsdrink to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. You know, Sweet Chuck, ColorCast is a live audio-only sports talk platform. It's free to download and to use. You can talk to me or you, Sweets, other fans, athletes, insiders in real time. It's perfect for your watch parties, your debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experience on the app with other users. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in your app store. Create your profile, link to your Twitter, and join the league or group of your choice. We'll be going live on ColorCast on this Friday uh, during our podcast, so come with your spiciest takes. All right, welcome to this week's Caught in the Net podcast. We are uh, joined today by my co-host, Sweet Chuck, Mike Procopio. Sweets, how you doing today? Oh, fantastic. Any better, I'd be Hopla, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'd say our listeners are in for a great treat today. Uh, we have uh, our second guest on Sweet Chuck today, good friend of mine and yours, uh, and one of the all-time best shooting coaches slash shooter uh, in the world. Uh, our good friend Dave Hopla is going to join us today. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's a pleasure. Oh, pleasure. Ah, thanks for joining us, Dave. Uh, Sev, you know, I met Hops when I was 13 years old. I thought it was 10, but I did the math today and went back at it. I don't want to 
you know, I don't want to be caught, you know, caught in the net on a lawsuit, but I thought I knew him since I was 10. I've known him since about 1989. So, you know, better, well, 33, about 32, 33 years. And, you know, Hops did a a shooting lecture down at Buzzards Bay Championship Basketball School. That's where I met. And that's where I, you know, I think I was like a freshman in high school, a sophomore in high school when, when uh, I saw Dave speak and, Followed him around everywhere. Every camp that he would try to be at in the area, I would try to see him, you know, when I started coaching, any camp that he would be at just to try to – I've never seen a guy shoot like like Dave and be able to teach it like Dave does. Right. Pops, man, it's it's great to see you, man. It's great to have you on. Hey, but yeah. Sweet Chuck, be, yeah. before we bring Dave on, and maybe Dave could answer this, did you improve Sweet Chuck's shot? Um, I don't know if he's been keeping track or not, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he had, he had like the two – Two uh two hand set shot Buford. I think he was doing the fish at St. Pittsburgh. He was a stand in, I think, for a set shot Buford on that. He did such a good job. I started coaching when I was sixteen and stopped playing. So I think I did. It. <laughs> I think I did, did be better. So I'm good. Well, yeah. Before we get into Dave, my first uh, association with Dave was actually I think I ne- I'd read all about him and Sweet Chuck had talked all about Dave, but I think it was uh, the first time I'd actually met him was on one of our trips to China for the uh, Nike all Asia camp. Is that, is that right, Dave? Yeah, I think that's uh, correct. We did, uh, we did that a uh, number of years and then we uh, joined in. Uh, I think you and I both did the uh, women's camp as well. I oh, right, think. right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we're, we're uh, very, very fortunate to have you on today and sweet Chuck, where do you want to start with this thing? Well, hops, I mean, a lot of people know your story about where you started, but I, I, I really want to, Let's talk about a little bit. We'll go into a few segments. Let's start with just sort of your your mentors in shooting, how you got into it. How do how you figure out after you were playing that, you know, maybe speaking, doing the speaking tour could be something you might be able to turn into something, you know, unique and special for doing it for 40 plus, you know, 30, 40 plus years. Right. It actually all started by accident. Um, I was home. I was playing basketball overseas and uh I came home one summer and uh, sorry, there's a truck going bomb outside. <laughs> no worries. Audio there. No worries. So, sorry about that. So uh, I was home from, I was playing overseas at the time and my old high school coach said, you know, I have a basketball camp uh, next week. Why don't you come in and uh, do your workout? Now at the time it wasn't strictly shooting. I did ball handling. And when I was a kid, I didn't have a toss back. So I used to just, you know, do behind the back passes against the wall and everything. So I went into speaking camp and, uh, you know, I made a few dollars and I thought that was great. And then there was another uh, coach at the camp and he goes, I have a camp the next week. Why don't you come in and speak and do the same thing? So that progressed. And uh, I said, it's pretty neat. I'm getting paid to get my workout in during the summer times, but I was still playing at the time. And then, uh, you know, I went overseas, back overseas to play, and then uh, came back from overseas. And uh, it was, uh, I don't know the year, but it was the night uh, Joe Theismann's uh, leg got broken by Lawrence Taylor on Monday Night Football. I was with the Baltimore Lightning and the CBA, the Continental Basketball Association. And Henry Bibby was the coach, and he called me up right afterwards, and he says, I got some good news and bad news. And I said, uh, I said, what's the good news? He said, you're still with the team. I said, what's the bad news? He said, we're going to Rockford, Illinois. Now, at the time, uh, you know, I knew I couldn't go back overseas. It was too late. And uh, 
the checks were bouncing more than the basketball. And now uh, we're going to Rockford and I'm like, I can't go there. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I was staying at my mom. She wasn't killing me for rent money. And uh, my buddy, uh, Joe Bucci, he's like, why don't you coach? Now at this time, I'm like 33, 34 years old. I'm like, I'm not a coach. I'm a player. And he kept bothering me and bothering me. I said, okay, I'll coach. So then I started my coaching career and uh, I had started working out local kids, uh, local players and everything. And then I just refined it uh, doing workouts. Uh, then the kids, you know, became college players. And then uh, I uh, called camps up and I told the camps, I says, you know, give me an hour. And, uh, you know, if I do a good job, hire me next year. So I did a ton of camps for nothing. And uh, I'll never forget, I was doing Rutgers camp, and Jeff Van Gundy was the restricted earnings coach here. That was like when that coach made like 17 grand, you know, mm -hmm. he ran camps. And I spoke at uh, Bob Wenzel's camp, and um, afterwards, uh, Jeff took me into the see coach, and he said, you know, we got three more weeks of camp, and we're going to pay you. But I, uh, you know, I, I went all over the place because nobody knew who I was. I went, you know, went to a small college, and you know, I played overseas, so I wasn't a big name or anything. So I was just doing camps for nothing just to get my name out there. And then it just progressed and, uh, you know, it, it just like took on a life of its own. And then it, you know, blossomed out into corporate motivational speaking and everything. So, uh, you know, I always talk that I always just get in trouble in school for running my mouth. You know, it's Dave, Dave, Dave doesn't stay quiet, but uh, now I get to talk about something I'm passionate about basketball. Hops in your heyday. What was the number of camps he was speaking in the summer? Well, you know, you know, it's funny. I, I spoke at 181 times in the summer at one, but I was going through some stuff and I actually uh, have a book here, right? This is <laughs> 2006. It just so happened I was going through the storage unit and I picked out just a, a random book. So this was 2006. Should I go inside with this? No, 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 no. No, we're all right. No, we're all good. right. So this was 2006. I spoke one hundred and three times there. So I you know I have the numbers and everything. Hundred yep. and third time, but then I didn't keep going. Hundred and four, hundred, five hundred, six, hundred and seven speaking engagements. That was during the whole year, not just the summer. Right. And that year. I took 34,756 shots during my speaking engagements. I made 34,438. I was 99.07% during my speaking engagements. And you know, Mike, I don't just shoot free throws. I shoot threes at the end and everything. Mm -hmm. So that was like one of my best years ever. But mm -hmm. uh, the best, uh, the one summer I just, I did 181 camps in just in the summer. That was from June till uh, Labor Day. And I, I've done five lectures in a day. And the thing that I worried about the most was my voice, mm -hmm. you know? That's you know what? Go ahead, Seb, I'm sorry. You know, one of the things uh, that, that really impressed me about you, uh, Dave, is, is you chart everything. And, you know, you, you carry a little book with you. And every workout that you do, every lecture that you give, you actually, you know, measure the number of shots that you make. And I... I think that's one of the things that's really important when we uh, when we try to get kids to uh, buy into their shooting is measuring, right? You know, and and actually keeping track uh, mm -hmm. of the makes and everything because that's one thing that we can measure in basketball is shooting. Sure, it's easy to do. I mean, like you know, that was you know, like that was my lecture book, and you know, as you know, when I'm working out, 
And, you know, that's what I was working on right now. This is my workout book that I do daily. So I'm getting ready to put in my uh, workout, what I'm going to do tomorrow, you know, mm -hmm. but I've been doing it since I was 16. And now, I mean, there's phone apps that actually like called home court that charts your shots. Right. It tells you what you shoot. And I say to kids, how many of you have home court? And they raise their hand. I said, how often do you use it? Oh, I use it once. You should use that every time you work out. It gives you, it gives you instant feedback, you know, like what did you shoot? And, I try to tell kids, you know, like weightlifters, what do they have? They chart what they did, how much, how much weight they lifted, uh, you know, uh, serious runners and everything, you know, they time it. They have runners, a little book. And I mean, you can't improve on something if you don't measure. And that's one of the things that I've always done when I worked out guys individually is I had books for them individually. And I would mm -hmm. show them, I used to get up like when I was with the Pistons, Knicks and Wizards and uh, Raptors, every guy I had a, a book and I got like a picture, you know, and of them, like it was like their own notebook. And every time I did individual work, I had what we did and what they shot and everything. And the guys really thought that was cool. They thought it was like being on the cover, I guess, of uh, EA sports uh, thing or something, <laughs> but uh, it was just something little, but you could show what didn't as a, as a workout guy, it showed what I was doing with them. I had, you know, I had to work out. This is what we did. This is what you need to work on. And I had all of the, uh, you know, I'd update the synergy reports, you know, every three months on the guy, you know, Hey, you still can't go left. We got to get better at this, you know, and so forth. So there was feedback and just doing that little extra, the guys really enjoyed it, you know, and uh, I think they got a kick out of seeing themselves being on the cover, like uh, being on a Wheaties box or something, you know? So, it, but. you know, it's funny, Seb, that watching Dave speak, I've probably watched hop speak before I even watched him coach. I probably seen him speak, close to a hundred times and, right. you know, different camps and clinics and things. But then I went to the Poconos and watched them work And the difference between a lot of people who do shooting lectures is the ability, not only to be able to shoot themselves, but be able to break it down, have a philosophy. He was the first guy I've ever seen at a camp, have a video camera and videotape like shooters, each kid in camp shooting like 10, 15 shots straight on to the right, to the left, off an angle, off the dribble, and would actually audit, like put audio to, uh, well, at least mark them as far as correcting their shot and putting it into like a, you know, report card, you know, report cards type system. And I, I think his ability to teach the shot simply and for people to break it down and simplify it, it's the best I've ever seen. Hops, what's your philosophy? Like, your philosophy on shooting and teaching. Now, obviously this is just going to be audio and not video, but like, right. can you sort of walk us through a few minutes of what your philosophy is on the shot itself? Sure. Uh, you know, when I work with someone, first thing I always do is I look at the base, the foundation, and I say, it's like a house, you know, you have to have a good foundation, a good base before anything else. So I check out the footwork, you know, I want to see, you know, if they have a good stance, if they're, are they on balance, uh, you know, uh, George Lehman used to have beef, you know, uh, balance, elbow, eyes, follow through. And he was one of my mentors. And, uh, you know, I sort of like uh, broke it down even a little bit more in depth and in detail. Like I always tell people, I want my toe to point to my target uh, of my lead foot. So if I'm right handed, I want my right toe pointing to my target. My target's the center of the basket because I try to swish every shot. Only time I change my target is if I shoot a bank shot. And I always say consistency is the mark of greatness. And a lot of coaches say fronted rim, back rim, because you can't really see an, a definite 
finite point, you know, center to hoop. But I try to put it in that large area. And now if I'm long or short, off left or right, I can make it. Whereas my first coach told me to aim for the front of the rim. I hit the front of the rim every damn time. I was a great shooter. I had the wrong target. Then when I made varsity, that coach told me to aim for the back of the rim. And I did get better aiming for the back. But, you know, when you shoot from the corner, you don't look at the back of the rim. You look at the far side of the rim. And then I was up uh, with Hank Slider, another guy that, uh, you know, I learned a lot from. And I asked him, what did he – I said, what's your target? He asked me a question. He said, where do you want to put the ball? And I said, in the middle of the hoop. So that made sense to me. And uh, you know, like I said, now I can make mistakes and make shots. So after, uh, you know, I have my stance, I want to work on the grip of the basketball. I want my shooting hand to be in the center of the basketball. And then, uh, my other hand, I'm right-handed. I call it the balance hand because its <laughs> job is to balance the ball and lift the ball. Now, a lot of coaches call it a guide hand. And then I asked the coach, well, what does it do? And they said, it guides the ball into the hoop. I said, well, the way your team shoots, maybe you should call it a misguide hand. So, <laughs> I don't want to be negative about anything. And then some coaches call it an offhand. You don't want your shot to be off. And then uh, some other coaches call it a non-shooting hand. Well, if you're a non-shooter, you can't shoot. So I want to be positive in everything that I bring to the table. So I call it a balance hand. In life, you need balance and control. On your jump shot, you need balance and control. So I call it a balance hand. And then, uh, you know, um, I want to catch it on balance, shoot it on balance and land on balance. And um, I have like, you know, I want uh, palm to the passer. That way my my shooting arm will be in the letter L already. I want mm -hmm. my wrist wrinkled or cocked and locked. I want to catch in the L, lift the L, finish with my shooting hand, elbow above the eyebrow, hand in the hoop. And then I want to freeze my follow through holding my hands high. I, I'm still going through. I don't know where this dropping the left hand has come in like these guys shoot. And they drop the left hand and they pose and their body turns all the way over. I'm still going through this. Like I watched the uh, three-point competition. Uh, you know, C.J. McCollum drops his left quite open. But everyone else is two hands up, two hands down. Mm -hmm. Except for like at the end, Luke Kennard, the last shot, he posed it. But this has been like an anomaly. Like every kid's like dropping his hand. I'm like, you've got a power struggle. Half your body's going towards the target. You're pulling your other half back, and then you wonder why you're missing, you know, short left. Your your body's twisting and turning, and I'm big on eliminate motion, increase accuracy. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. You know, I'm trying to simplify the game, not make it more difficult. And, like, I think, you know, I tell kids, you want to watch a great shooter, watch Clay Thompson, how efficient he is. He doesn't have any wasted motion. You know, he's not doing all this 50 million dribble stuff and, like I tell kids, it's not the uh, Olympics. You don't get extra points for degree of difficulty <laughs> on your shot. You know, it's like right. your three-pointer is not going to be, you know, an eight-pointer because you went through your legs five times, you know? Yeah. The balance, I think, is, is a really important part of the shot hops. With your with your follow-through, you want both hands up. And, like, I learned that. I learned everything in shooting from you, like elbow to eyebrow. But holding yeah. follow-through with both hands, how mm – -hmm. When do you think it's the right time for a player then to drop their hands when they land, um, when they release I, I the ball? I think, you know, like I said, I always want to, like, when I, I do uh, some workouts, because, you know, in games, things happen much more quickly. I call it a shoot and stay drill, mm -hmm. whereas if I'm catching it or if I'm spinning out by myself, I'll catch and shoot, and I'll freeze the follow-through until the ball hits the floor. Because mm -hmm. the follow-through is going to give me feedback. Why did I miss or whatever? But I want to overlearn that, uh, you know, I want to overlearn that skill because if I drop it quickly in practice in a game, I'm going to even drop it even more quickly. So mm -hmm. I want to shoot and stay. 
freeze fall to hold hand signs. Now, once I hold it, I want to get feet. Did I, did I turn my left hand? Is my elbow low? Is my elbow high? I want to know why I miss, you know, because I can't be there coaching a kid every single time. So I want them to know why they miss. Why did you miss left? Why did you miss short? And I always tell kids, you know, if I'm long or short, that's the easy thing to correct because I call that an adjustment problem. Now, if the kid's missing left to right, right to left, all over, that's an alignment problem, and it could be a number of things. Mm -hmm. But if I'm long or short, that's a pretty easy thing. My elbow's low, okay, I got to finish with my elbow high. Now, if my elbow's high and I'm short, I didn't get enough legs. But like I said, left to right, it could be my head, my hand positioning, my shoulders, my waist, my hip. You're in for a long time if that guy's all over the place. But uh, like I said, I just hold it like, uh, you know, till, till the ball hits the floor during my practice. When I get on the gun, uh, you know, very fortunate to have a gun at my place, uh, passing machine, and I'll, I'll freeze it because I'll set that at three seconds, and I'll freeze my follow through till the ball goes through the net, you know, because I got to get ready for the next shot and so forth. But, uh, you know, it's like you don't want to get in. A lot of people, you know, act like they touch a hot stove. They drop it so quickly. And then in a the game, you know, you got a, you know, six nine guy closing out. It's they even drop it even more quickly. So, but on, on their own practice, like, you know, I want them to shoot and stay. And I always tell, like, you know, if I got two balls with a guy passes, I'm not going to fire you to pass. I want quality shots. Because in a game, you don't get shot, 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 shot. Like, you know, you got a guy say, okay, we're going to make 10 from the corner. Then we're going to go to the wing. You know, in a game, you, you know, he's, you got to get your reps in. But in a game, I want quality shots. I'm not doing it where he's just getting 10 up, like, you know, he's shooting an Uzi. So I'm going uh, to freeze it you know, till, um, you know, to freeze the follow through. And I want him to freeze that ball, be in the habit of, it, you know, and I want quality shots. And if he drops his hands too quickly, makes it, I said, no, no, we want it, you know, to be a quality. It's not, right. it's not about quantity. It's a quality of shots. Hey, Dave, talk, yes. talk to us, talk to us a little bit about, because I, I've, <clears throat> I've seen both sides of this argument. Uh, and I just am curious on your thoughts as far as dipping the ball. Uh, you, you mentioned Clay Thompson a little bit ago. He's a classic guy that has almost no dip in his shot. Right. You know, if he catches it right in the shot pocket, there's no dip. But then there's other great shooters. You know, we watch somebody like Curry who, right. who does dip the ball to get into yep. his rhythm. What right. are your thoughts on, on the dipping of the ball versus not? Well, I find that uh, the people that dip the ball, they don't do a really great job of being shot ready. See, if I'm low like, and I take a long one-two step into it, I'm with longer step I take, the lower my body's going to be. So if I catch it, I'm not going to bring it down to my shin, you know? So now when I bring my right foot forward, I catch up on my shot pocket, my ball's going to go up. But if I'm straight up and down, I got to generate some power. So I have a downward movement and then an upward movement. So, but like I tell people, it's all about having a consistent shot. And I always tell people, listen, when a guy shoots off the dribble, they never dip the ball, right? Because you're using a pound to get into the shot. Nobody dribbles right. it, then dips it and everything. So I I feel that it's a uh, you know, it's it's just not being the best best position you can be as a uh, you know, shot ready. And I mean you go back like Michael Red was a knockdown shooter, mid-range guy. He had a huge dip. He dipped that ball like down in between his knees. He was a lefty sure. and uh, but uh any, like, any thoughts also, go ahead. Any thoughts, Dave, on young kids who, who, who have to generate that power through the dip because they're not strong enough to take it right from the shot pocket? Right. And it's, it's funny. Uh, 
you know, I've, I've been working some kids out, uh, some younger kids the past few days. And I, I always say, you know, the three point line is the worst thing that's ever happened. Exactly. It's they don't have the strength to shoot that. I agree. Whereas, like, you know, even Steph said he didn't let his kids shoot outside 15 feet till he got to high school, you know? So, so many of these kids that I've been working with, they, they're two hand shooters. They're, they're, they catch their elbows are out and they both hands are like, you know, going outwards. They said they're like they're setting a volleyball. Right. right exactly. And then now you're trying to correct that, you know, after years of this, but they've been doing it. And it's like, you know, I'm a big believer, like, you know, like the Europeans. And I, I say this all the time, like you look at the all NBA team, three guys were from out of the country, you know, the dirt, dirt passing us because they actually, they do a lot of skill work. We play like a hundred AAU games now, like mm-hmm. camps are dying. Kids want to just play. We don't want to learn. We just want to go play, 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 play. And it's catching up to us. I mean, Look at all the Canadians in the league. I mean, they've done a good job developing. But like, get back to your question. Like, we, you know, the kids are playing. We got the three-point line. So they're going out there. They're doing everything wrong to get the ball. So they got to dip it. It'd be like me shooting from half court. I've got to drop. My left shoulder's got to be in front. My right's back. I'm going to shoot. My hands are going to cross and everything. And and it's just a, a bad scene. But – uh. But they're know, heaving the ball instead they're of heaving shooting it. They're the not ball. shooting it. Like I tell people once up, like when I get with kids, you know, I do an observation period and I get them with their form shooting. And I said, once we go back, I said, you can jump. Once it breaks down, I said, that's, that's where, that's, that's where you should just be shooting from. Because now your shot's completely different because now you're heaving it. It's your shot's not the same. It's like me going to midcourt trying to shoot a basketball. These kids shooting three. I'm not shooting yeah. it. I'm like throwing it, heaving it there's no, no uh, consistency in my follow through. So, you know, you have to, you know, as you get older, I tell kids, then just then move back as you get older and stronger, but we want that instant success. We want to be able to shoot the three. And then, like I say, you know, every now and then they make one and they think they're a shooter. I say, you know, blind squirrel finds an acorn, but he's not going to make it through the winter time, you know? So, so Hawks, when you're with a player during the season, and, and this is an old age argument too, like, and a player has some issues with their shot. Do you have certain things that you'll touch during the season versus things that you have to wait until the off season? Cause obviously a lot has to do with confidence and you're in your season. It's hard to make quick, you know, really big changes. What's your philosophy on like what a high school coach should do with their players during the season versus off season with tweaking or changing the shot? Right. That's a great question as well. Uh, you know, and it's the same thing. Like there's, there's uh, you know, people on both sides. Think, but my, my thing is, if you're not going to change your shot, when are you going to change it? Like the time is now. I don't care if it's in season, off season, whatever. If the kid has some really, really bad things, you got to change it. I mean, if the kid's a 16% shooter. Why wouldn't you change it? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, is he going to get work? Is, is he going to go from 16 to 10? I mean, the thing is, though, you know, a lot of people are afraid to change. So I, I don't like to use the word change. I use adjustment, especially with the NBA guys. Like, hey, mm-hmm. if you, you finished a little bit higher, you'd have a little bit more work on your shot. You'd make it like, you know, you don't have to do. But like, you know, people have to be one. Like my first full-time job in the NBA, I was hired with Toronto. They brought me up there after Thanksgiving, Mike. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. uh, so, I mean, you're talking like, you know, they've been all through training camp. Mm-hmm. You know, they had uh, they played 12 or 13 games at that point. And I got I went up there after Thanksgiving to go in there to work with the guys. You know, we, we had a great group. They were, you know, uh, 
you know, they were um, respectful. They listened, they worked at it and everything. And uh, they put extra time. I mean, it was a fantastic, fantastic group of players in there. You know, and I said to him when I got in there, I said, you know, from this point on, because we were one of the worst shooting teams in, in every category at the time. Mm-hmm. And I told the guys, I says, what I want every one of us to do from this point on is to get 1% better from now until the end of the season. And they looked at me and they said, 1%, that's it? I said, yeah, collectively, that's huge. Mm-hmm. All I want is one player. You're shooting 34% from three. I want you to shoot 35%. All right, Chris Bosch, you're shooting 51% from the field. I want you for mid-range, we want you at 52, you know. Jose, you're shooting 85% from the line. Let's get to 86. You know, it was just small increments, and you know, their confidence grew. And once again, how did it grow? Well, well, we did individual stuff and everything. We charted shots. We charted shots in practice. We had the interns. Look at this, man. Oh, you're great from this corner. You're not too good from this corner, AP. Let's get some more work on the right corner. You're good from the left, but the right. And the guys bought into it. And, you know, we started seeing success. You had success breeds confidence and so forth. And, uh, you know, it was just great seeing that the guys bought into it. And uh, and that's one of the things, like, I've been fortunate because I've been doing this stuff for so long. Most of the players that I've worked with in the NBA, they have seen me at camp at some point. Like you said, you saw me when you were 13. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of these guys go through and they, they date me. You know, oh, I saw you like Vince Carter. <laughs> I saw you uh, uh, when I was, uh, you know, at the Sunshine Invitational Camp. Uh, you know, all these guys date the Gilbert Arenas. I saw you at, you know, the double pump camp and everything. Just, uh, you know, so I have a little bit of, uh, you know, history. I guess, you know, kids uh, – you know, a little bit respect factor because they see what I've done and the success I've had. So I've had, you know, kids, uh, you know, pretty much players listening to me and so forth. Hawks, you were one of the first people, I would say the first person that I've ever heard of where agents would hire before the draft, you know, work with their college players before the draft. You know, famously, you worked with Kobe before in doing his pre-draft. Right. With, with your first assignment to do that, what was your thought process like? All right, I only have a certain amount of time. What am I going to do with these players? And well, like, take us through that. And then obviously the work with Kobe and what made him special, even as an 18-year-old kid, you know, getting ready for the draft that not many people knew about. And But definitely your process of like getting hired by an agent to get players ready for the draft. Like take us through that a little bit. Right. It was funny, uh, you know, years ago, Arn Tellum, you know, he was Kobe's agent. He hired me to start working his guys out. And then, uh, you know, he had a, he had a ton of guys, you know, Reggie Miller had all like mostly all the UCLA guys. So uh, I was uh, I was hired by Arn to start working players out, getting them ready for the draft. And, uh, you know, Arn was so connected. Uh, you know, I had my stuff that I wanted to do with players, but I was also like I wanted to prepare them like a pre, pre-SAT camp. Uh, thing so i i asked Orn, you know i would get the guys ready doing what i thought they'd need to work on and prove and then um i asked Orn, i said you know by any chance can you get like what like uh say dallas mavericks doing their pre-draft workout boom yeah yeah you want you you want to try to get them to uh you want to teach to the test basically yes exactly so like they were like you know they're going to uh the lakers and Orn would you know talk to the gm and boom and he He'd have a thing for me the next day. Uh, one of the interns from the office would bring it over and I would study it. Okay, this is what we're doing. And a lot of the workouts, you know, were like pretty easy. Like, I mean, you know, everyone just did like spot shooting. Right. They played some, uh, 
you know, one-on-one, some three-on-three. And then, you know, a lot of them just went in alone. But uh, I remember when I had, uh, I had like, uh, it was, uh, I had Corey Benjamin, Ricky Davis, and Felipe Lopez. They were all orange guys. And all of them were about the same. Like, you know, they were, they were athletic. One day, one guy would shoot the ball better than another. And I remember Orn was sending them out to do like they were doing the Texas Triangle, uh, you know, thing. He'd send out Ricky and then Ricky would like fly out to Dallas. He'd work out at Dallas. Then he'd fly to San Antonio and Houston. And I said to Orn, I said, don't don't ever send the guys out on a three day trip. They weren't refined enough. They needed to get like more reps up. So like, you know, they went to a workout. Okay, so you know you do your spots, shoot, you play one. So you, your workout's basically an hour, as you know, right. when you brought a guy. So now he goes the next day, he works out for an hour, and the next day for an hour. So he's only worked out three hours in three days, and not, and he's getting more shots up in one day in one workout with me than he did during those three days. And they weren't good enough, you know. They needed to be refined. They needed to be like sharp. So they, them just doing like spot shooting. So say they shot you know, a hundred threes or something, some even 50, you know, that they shot 150 in three days, you know, we're doing that one, one workout with me and they would revert back at like the slippage and everything. So I was like, Orange, just bring them in, send them out the next week. Don't give them three days in a row being away. You know, I wanted the guys to test well. So uh, we did that. And then uh, I had a lot of stuff I did with uh, these time drills and stuff. So I wanted my workouts to actually be a lot tougher than what they were going to go into, uh, you know, and see at, at with the, with the team and they were, and, but they were prepared for it because, you know, they, we had, uh, you know, what, what they did. And I'll never forget, uh, with Kobe and, uh, you know, Kobe went in to work with the Lakers and, uh, you know, that workout was long. He just went in alone with Jerry West and Jerry West videotaped everything, broke it down. Why did you do this? Why did and Kobe was so fired up after the workout, he called me and he goes, can we get another workout in? And the Lakers workout, he was in there for quite a while because it was just him. And he went back, told me all about the workout stuff. But um, working with Kobe, um, I always tell people it was a, a blessing and a curse for me because I he was talented, but I've never seen anyone, Mike, you, you know this, you work with him. I've never seen anyone pay attention to detail like him. And when you're correcting him, he would burn a hole in you with his eyes looking at you. Tell me, coach, show me. I want to be the greatest player ever play this game. Not giving you lip service like you're trying to coach him and teach him. He's walking away. Yeah, you're right, coach. You're right. None of that BS. He like literally would not take his eyes off your eyes. And uh, so when I told Orrin, I I told Orrin, I didn't think he was ready for the NBA after working him out. I thought he was too young and he, he struggled. I mean, he had come in the league and like lighted on fire mm-hmm. and I'll never forget when he shot the four air ball that didn't even phase that kid in the finals, man. You know, whereas like Nick Anderson missed those four free throws in, in Orlando. He was never the same player, but Kobe was just so mentally Pretty tough. Much ruined his career. Yeah. He wouldn't, he wouldn't go to the hoop anymore. He, he was like, but Kobe, right. it didn't phase him. And, like, I mean, I'll never forget the first time after we worked out, we worked at a Cal State Northridge, and uh, Arn Tellum and I get in the car, and Kobe's in the back, and we're going to go eat. And he had Street and Smith's yearbook in there. Now, Kobe's just out of high school, and he's like, Atlanta. Oh, I'm better than him. Two years from now, well, I'll kick his butt. Oh, I'll crap on this guy. Boston. 
he had like a hit list. I'm going, this kid's like unbelievable. He had, he had like a hit list who we thought he was better than already and everything. And, uh, and, and, like, and you know what, you know what, Hop? He was right. Oh, yeah. yes, he was. He sure, he sure was. But like just and the thing was like, I mean, we never like working him out like he wanted to master everything. And we didn't do a lot. of. And I might you and I have had this conversation before. We didn't do a whole lot of like combo moves like, OK, I want you to go through your legs 16 times behind your back, seven spin into a step back. OK, let's repeat that 19 more times. Kobe's like. It's a game of read and reaction, mm. but I can master everything. Okay. So we would work on, okay, go through to go through your leg left to right in your jump shot. We would do that. Okay. Go to right. Okay. Now that didn't feel right. You know, I made my number, but not every one of them felt the same. So we would go to, okay, I feel good. Boom, go. So he, he had every tool in his toolbox. So I can't come down and say to you, Dave, I'm going to come in. I'm going to hit you through the leg behind the back. Well, what if I go through the legs and you're where I was going to go behind the back? Maybe I got to go through the legs to an in and out. Mm -hmm. And his whole thing was read and react. But because he mastered every drill individually, he could put it together and, you know, read and react to you. You know, and so many players, their, their workouts are scripted. And I have a lot of stuff I do. I call it simulation and where the guy doesn't know what he's going to do. Because, like, once you you get something down, now can you can – you, do you have a, a counter to that move now? You know, it's like you can't predetermine. Like these guys got guys dribbling up to the, the chair. Well, the chair never moves, you know, so I can cross it over and all that. So I do all try to do all the simulation, trying to make it as close to game situations as possible. But, right. you so, know. Uh, we'll talk about your shooters club before we end the, the uh -huh. you know, the session. But with, you know, everything that goes on in, with, a, with a kid these days, AU, trainer, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah, doing all this stuff. So if you're talking to a kid that has all this stuff, that's doing all this, regardless if you like it or not, right. and, you're, and you're trying to make him a better shooter, talk to the player or the coach that's working with a high school kid about really what they're, how long should they be working on their shot? what they should be really zeroing in. They don't have a lot of time. Maybe they have three days a week. They could put in a half an hour a day or an hour a day. We know that they should be doing more, but like, right. can you talk about what players should be doing besides joining your shooters club to become a better shooter in, in a limited amount of time during their week? Right. Uh, you know, I, you might, you know, I have a saying, you know, make shots, not excuses. You know, if you want to be great at something or improve, you have to put extra time in naturally. I mean, okay. You have practice, practice is limited. Maybe you spend 20 to 30 minutes as a team working on shooting. So if I want to be a great shooter, I have to find some time. Like when I was a kid, I used to go to school early before school started to get into the gym and the kids, the kids have that opportunity down here. And, um, I actually uh, work with this one school down here and I go in every Wednesday morning before school and uh, they have that opportunity to do it every single day, you know, that I'm not there, but they only do it when I'm there. And I mean, that's, that's a problem. I mean, you want to get better. You have to find time, you know, get in early, stay late, go to the park. I mean, I'm living in Florida. I mean, you, you can go out and shoot every night, you know, unless there's a hurricane coming. I mean, it's like, but like all these kids want instant success. And I mean, and then the school also has, you know, one of the guns, the, the passing, uh, the shooting machine that passes you the ball. So like I, I tell kids, then when you do shoot, you better work on shots. You're going to shoot the game. I see way too many kids 
They they don't even go inside the three point line. Every kid wants to do a sidestep Jason Tatum three, and then they get to the free throw line. They can't make a free throw and all this stuff. So they practice the wrong things. And I tell people, you know, it's baby steps. Okay, get your catch and shoot down. You know, master that first, then get in off the dribble, then start being able to move right to left, left to right. You know, it's a progression, but. You know, you have to master the basics before you can go to the next thing. And too many kids, like I said, they want to go out to the three-pointer and they can't even make, you know, they can't even make a 15-footer. And then when they go out to the uh, the three-point line, like we talked about earlier, Dave, you know, their, ch- their shot changes because right. they don't have the strength or the technique because they've been shooting it incorrectly for so long. You're, you're the first guy that ever took, like, showed the one-hand form shooting. I think you and Dana Barrows were the only two that I've ever seen do that. Dana's a great shooter, too. Dana was a great shooter. So talk to, like, you said that catch and shoot's important, but, like, should they be spending every day, five minutes a day on their their form, like their Um, one-hand form, and the importance of the one-hand form shooting? Take us through that for a few minutes. Yep. Um, You know, I don't shoot every day, but every day that I shoot, the one thing that I do is my one-hand form shooting. And I'll spend five to 10 minutes on that, you know, and then five to 10 minutes adding the balance hand. Now, um, years ago, this is funny. I, it's funny. We talk if you were asking about it. I was working Derek Fisher out and uh, we were working out at Loyola Marymount and uh, only had the gym for an hour. Mm-hmm. And Dee Fish has hit me on the cell phone. Hey, I'm stuck in traffic, man. I left, but I'm stuck. And, you know, you could leave five hours early and have to go oh, yeah. 10 miles and still be late. But I'm like, these fish, we only got the gym, the, the women's volleyball's coming in. Women's volleyball coming in, so we only got it for a bit. So he rushes there, we get there. So we only had about, you know, 35 minutes or so to work out. So I went right into doing 15-footers and stuff. And he had a terrible workout. I said, this is your worst workout ever. He goes, we didn't do any form shooting, coach. So I've made it a point, even if it's two minutes, the player's seeing the ball go in. You know, like I said, if you can't make a stationary two-footer, how are you going to make a 20-footer on the move? So I've always made it a point to spend at least, you know, some time, even if it's two minutes, one hand, two minutes. But the balance hand, the importance of shooting with the one hand, you have to do everything correctly. My hand has to be in the center of the basketball, my shooting hand, and then I have to lock it in. If my elbow's sticking out, I can't hold, I can't grip the ball. The ball's going to fall out. So if I get my hand underneath the ball, form the letter L, my elbow's underneath the ball, I'm in the letter L, I bend and extend, elbow above the eyebrow, hand in the hoop. That has to be done two feet from the basket because the only way I can make it two feet from the basket is if my elbow does go above my eyebrow. But so many players, they want to start like four feet away. Mm-hmm. Now, starting four feet away, I can make the shot with my elbow being low, mm-hmm. but my shots aren't going to be swishes and stuff. So always start two feet away. So that elbow has to go above my eyebrow, elbow above the eyebrow, hand in the hoop. But like I always say this, one hand form shooting and adding the balance hand form shooting, they're the easiest things in the world to do. But guess what? They're also the easiest thing in the world not to do. Hmm. So you want to be a great shooter. You have to discipline yourself. And like I said, you have to do that on your time. I can't be in the middle of layup line and say, hey, man, I'm going to do the one-hand form shooting right before the game while layups are going on. you got to do that. And uh, I did that with all the guys, like, uh, you know, when I was with the teams, like, you know, before the game, we'd get, you know, when I was out there, you know, before the game, you got your 20 minutes, we'd get at least some form shooting and boom, then we get into, you know, mid-range threes, game shots, next guy came in. 
So we, we made it a point all the time uh, that we right. got it in. Even if it was a real quick one where uh, we'd start two feet away, every time I swish it, I advance. So I swish from two feet away, boom, take a step back, swish it. And every time the guy would swish it, I'd let him take a step back out to the NBA three, and then we'd get in. So some guys might get in only like 10 or 12 shots, but they're feeling good because they swished them all, you know, and then we get into it. So I always spend a little bit of time on that. Right. And it doesn't matter uh, regarding what level that player's on, you know, it's one of my staples. Hey, Dave, can, can you talk to us? Mike mentioned it earlier. Talk to us about the Shooters Club. Um, I started a thing, uh, as you guys know, I'm the worst with computers and social media. You know, uh, I'm barely lucky I could get onto the Zoom call and stuff. <laughs> wait, but, wait, uh, wait. Me, you're 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 a basketball guy uh, that that doesn't uh, utilize social media. What a concept! <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I, I got like three followers, and I think it's. Okay. <laughs> and I think I put Roger the Labradoodle on there. So uh, there you go. But. Uh, so people were, you know, uh, you know, hitting me up, you know, you got to do stuff on social media, got to have a shooters club, this and that. So uh, I started a shooters club because not everyone has the opportunity to come down here to the house of Hoffman at Stevens arena in beautiful Naples, Florida. And uh, so uh, I had a guy who uh, was a former camper, you know, hit me up and said, look, I can set this thing up for you, for you. This is what you got to do. And I said, you know, it's something uh, Mike's been on me for years to get going. And I'm like, Okay, let's get it going. So uh, what it is, uh, it's, I have players on all different levels. It's available for players in all over the world. I think if you have a, a, a credit card, if you can even get it in Mars, I think. Uh, so uh, players, uh, the first thing is, uh, you know, I got all these different uh, modules you go through. And then the first thing is I want the players uh, to videotape their shots from the front the left side, right side, and the back side. And uh, then they send it in and I evaluate what they need to work on and uh, tell them what they need to do to correct any flaws they may have. And then in another, uh, you know, another, uh, it doesn't happen overnight. I, I tell them, give, give it two weeks to work on what you've been working on and let's see now if it's improved and that will go to the next thing. And like I said, it's baby steps, but uh, you know, a lot of people, they want that immediate success. Like you tell a kid to do something, and you say, maybe your toes twisted. Okay. Straighten it out. They shoot and miss. Oh, I, that doesn't work. You know, it's like, give it a chance. I mean, you know, so many kids, like I tell them, you get a new pair of shoes. They don't feel right. You don't throw them in the garbage. You break them in. And, uh, you know, so, uh, it's going well, uh, you know, and it's uh, funny, you know, I've been doing this stuff for a long time. It's the same. I tell them it's the same program that I worked with the pros, uh, when I used to be with the teams, I used to break down every shot, every shot that a guy took during the game. And then I would send it to him right after the game on the iPad with just little notes about what they did good, what they didn't do good uh, on their shot. So uh, I'm excited about it. And, uh, you know, it's it's going really well. Just uh, just launched uh, on uh, Valentine's Day. So uh, how oh, do they that's, that's how, great. how do they contact you to, to join? Right. Uh, right. Um, it's uh like Dave Hopla, fix your shot, I believe, or if you just Google Dave Hopla, but I think it's Dave Hopla, fix your shot.com. I believe it's, you see, like I tell, I don't even know all of that stuff. I don't know the hashtag <laughs> stuff and all, but it's, uh, it's uh, available. Uh, like I said, if you Google it, I know it pulls up and so forth. So uh, now hops, wait yeah. a minute. We might have an issue because I have Mike Procopio, break your shot dot com. So uh, <laughs> are we going to have an issue now or what are we doing? Uh, no, nah, that's all right. Uh, hey Dave, what about if um, 
you know, if a coach or a team or an organization wants to bring you in to speak at their camp, how would they get a hold of you for that? Um, they can uh, contact me at dhopla99 at gmail.com or uh, they can uh, they can phone me 858-717-5273 or text me. I still have my California number, Dave. That's yeah. uh, my San Diego number, but I'm on the East Coast. But uh, And also uh, they can hit me through my website, davehopla.com, but I haven't done anything with that. I have to start updating that. Uh, I, I think the last thing I like blogged, I mean, how long those things, the last thing I blogged about was Jeremy Lin. So that's how, that's how out of date I am. The, with this this Terry, this stuff. Terry Cummings kid in DePaul could be a good player. Yeah. yeah. yeah right? <laughs> so, but, uh, like I said, oh, I'm, I'm the worst with social media. I'm not out there trying to find followers. I'm like, uh, you know, you want to contact me, you got to do a little research, you know? That's cool. So, that's that's cool. great. Well, hey, I thought this was great. Seb, do you oh, have any so other questions for, for our guy? No, I don't. We don't have any questions, but I mean, we do. We could we could talk shooting. Sweet Chuck and I always say, Dave, we could talk shooting for hours. Right, um, right. Because we both of us love to have, uh, you know, new perspective. And in mm -hmm. your case, it's not new, but it just reinforces. Right, right. You know what what's really important, but. We really appreciate you coming on and spending time. Well, with us. I, I appreciate it's uh, good to see you. I haven't seen you since I was with Detroit. Um, <laughs> it was like the last time I, right, saw you. Yeah. I believe you were with your wife and daughters at the, at the game. Remember? I could have been. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but, uh, and I, uh, you know, I stay in touch with Mike. We talk a few times every week and, uh, you know, trying to, you know, uh, solve these riddles, trying to, you know, bounce ideas off of one of each other's heads and so forth. So, but I really appreciate you guys having me on and uh, hope you have a great day and uh, look forward to seeing everyone and reconnected soon. Yeah. No thank, thanks hop. Thanks. Hops. All right, guys. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yep. All right. Sweet Chuck. That was a great interview with, uh, with, with Dave Hoplow on shooting one of our favorite guys and also one of the best shooting coaches both of us have ever seen. So we really appreciate Dave coming on. Yeah, Hops is the best. And, you know, there's there's no there's a, no shortage of trainers in our world and people who want to work with players, but there's a tremendous shortage of actual people that could take a player's shot and make it better. There's not many, not many people that do that. And everybody wants to work on this move and that move and this move. But the, the number one skill in basketball, in my opinion, is shooting. And right. being able to take a player and make them better, I don't care what level you're at, is the most, in my opinion, the most important thing you could do with a player. So uh, Dave's the best. He's been doing it forever. And, you know, he, he's a tremendous resource. If anybody, any player, any coach that has a player, I would definitely recommend signing up for his program. No question. Um, okay, sweet Chuck, that's it for this week's uh, episode of Caught in the Net. And we'll uh, talk to everybody next week. Thank you. Have a good one.